Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm my chip, folks, man. I got this, yeah. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down. Of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November. What is up, ankle pickers? Welcome ankle back pickers. to Yeah, and that what you want to call them? That's what they are. You okay, mother. there you go. Kobe, the producer, chiming in way too early and off cue. <laughs> We're here for episode 19. I'm amped. The boys are amped. We got a full panel. We got Max, whatever. I, oh, Shady Max Shiner coming in. Shiner, what's up? How we living? Okay, it's a bummer to have him on. We got... <laughs> Danny Koritz, another ace in the hole, an absolute mensch in the pocket, and a guy who knows his shit about the UFC. Dan, what's up? Hello, hello. Follow at MMA Capper underscore DK. We're at the MMA go. underscore Macher. Okay, okay. We got clearly a Jew. We got clearly a Capper. I love it. And we got our producer, Country Club Kobe. What's up, producer? How are we? I've already made my introduction. That's a bummer. Uh, how does it feel taking over Parker Day Rios's role that has not been on air for the last six weeks? Feeling good about it? You know, put great. a little more, put a little more food on your plate. Pizzazz going on this pod. So we're all amped here. We're all definitely a little bit too uh, hammered, and that was for the macher down in the bottom right. And so, just a quick recap from last week before we get into the pod. Your boy Reese up uh, Reese tw- Twitterless Reese up. Uh, 2.3 units. DK Capper MMA down a unit. That's tough. And overall, sorry, bro. Overall, and this is something that needs to be, I don't know, studied by scientists or statisticians or, or something, whatever field. Producers. Is. Producers, maybe. I mean, you're a little bit of a, you know, a little, little bit of a sketch, but we got, I'm up 6.68 units since the start of this show. And that was including me digging myself into a massive hole. And then Danny, who also was in a hole for a little while there, we had a tough, tough month of August. Got up Pedro Munoz. And is also up 6.65 units. So if you rode with Danny and myself, you're up a whopping 1,200 bucks if you're in a 100 unit better, which is. And if you happen to skip the Pedro, if you happen to skip the Frankie Edgar Pedro Munoz week, you're up like 30 units. There you go. Dan had a tough week, but that's fine. We're all here for the long haul. That's the name of the game at Angle Pick Pod. Follow us over on Twitter if you want these units. I mean, this is literally free. You spend 50 minutes a week listening to us dildos talk, and you're up 6.68 and 6.65 units respectively on each of us. That's a small price to pay for your pockets being full, being able to go to the strip club and whatever else youngins do with their money these days. So with that all being said, we're going to go into the recap of the Ankle Lock of the Week. Unfortunately, there's nothing to recap. Because we took Brendan Allen and he unfortunately got scrapped. Lucky for all of us, he got moved to this week's card and he'll be facing off against Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland, who also really recently just fought. Both phenomenal fighters. So we honestly kind of got a treat there. So we'll start off, as always, by recapping last week's prelims and fights. We're going to do this kind of quick, even though last week's card was great. They're. There, there's a lot to talk about, but we're going to try to brush on because we have a lot to talk about in this main event. We don't want to keep you all day. So starting off on the on the prelims, Gustavo Lopez versus Anthony Bur- Oh, shit. Burchak. Dan, didn't you pick that one as something last uh, week? I, I, so was that- I, I did not. I did not. Okay. I, I, I did think that Bur- or I did think that Gustavo Lopez was going to be too much for him as we saw but this is not something that I played. Yeah. It, it's all. So what I've noticed in my long, in, in like my betting history is that these it's easier to exploit these early fights because there's less notes on it, but it's also so much easier to get rolled on a bad beat because one mess up from these lower end fighters and you're done. It's sunk in. And, and this one wasn't that it was a first round submission all in all, but uh, moving forward, this is, and I know you guys all are going to have to agree probably one of the most gruesome injuries I've seen in a long time, as far as just like, just pure, like major own body hurt 
Max Griffin beat Ramaz Brahimaj by KOTKO. And for those who didn't miss it, it's worth looking up a picture. It's gross as can be. Max Griffin, elbow to the ear. Ear almost came off. Ear did come off. Ear was ear was for, forget cauliflower ear. This is butcher shop ear. Yeah, this, this is, is like cleaver. Yeah, full reconstructive surgery is absolutely needed. Dude's tough as nails, though. I think he even was arguing to keep fighting. But Max Griffin, this is one that I wasn't sure on, but it aged quite well. His experience was definitely utilized there. And, and also, he's a master at getting decisions. Um, okay, so this is one I, I really do want to touch on. Darren Elkins versus uh, Louise Gar- Gargori. So the reason why I want to talk on this was this is one that I actually played. I, I don't remember the units. I want to say three maybe two, but I imagine Darren Elkins was going to be able to just control this on the ground the entire time. I I didn't necessarily see a submission coming, but I did see him just absolutely dominating him on the, on the feet. Gargori has always kind of struggled with takedowns. He's definitely, he's an Argentinian. He loves to just stand and bang. Uh, And so Darren Elkins did exactly what I thought he was going to do. The thing is, is any other fighter drops to a couple of Gargori's punches there. But Darren Elkins just marched right through him, and it actually led to a submission, which is obviously something I want. Uh, heavyweight bout. So Alexander Romano. That Elkins Wait, fight. That yeah. Elkins fight is actually one that we called out pretty succinctly. We said that Gary Gorey has absolutely zero takedown defense. Yeah. And I think he spent a good two minutes of each round on his back until the eventual mm-hmm. sub. Uh, that was it, an easy one for us to cap. It also seemed pretty effortlessly too on, on Elkins' behalf. Like he he would stay a little bit on the feet, and he would just instantly shoot, get it almost immediately. And this is actually one that when Danny and I were discussing lock of the weeks, we were debating on even doing this Elkins fight. We wanted to give you guys one that was a closer line. I believe Brennan Allen was closer to even last week, or he might have even been a dog. I think he actually might have been a dog. Um, and so we wanted to give you guys something that had a little more value, but this Darren Elkins fight at minus 200 really popped off for us and it ended up working. I played it. Dan, did you play it? Maybe in a parlay? I don't remember. I played it in a parlay that ended up losing on the Bozer decision. Something I'm not mad about. Yeah, that's tough. It was a lot closer than I thought. Yeah, we'll get to that. That decision was questionable. It's not the end of the world, but, and I think it's actually gonna be better for Bozer long-term. I think he, he learned a lot from it, but also just a terrible fight to drop. So Alexander Romanov versus Marcus Rodrigo de Lima. This is one that I actually wanted to play, but the line seemed a little too steep for me. Went a little longer than I anticipated, to be honest. I'm not totally impressed with uh, de Lima, but that was an interesting choke. Have you ever seen anything like that, Dan? I know you're the Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert here, and I don't even know if that's really Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's just a forearm to the throat. Yeah, that was a Yeah, That was a really cool... That was a really cool submission. Just an absolutely brutally tight squeeze. Uh, it wasn't even a squeeze. It was, he literally just laid on all his weight, and that's every bit of 265 on the dude's throat. It was effective. I'll tell you that. It wasn't clean, but it was effective. So yeah. the line, that that was like one of those that you might sprinkle into a parlay or whatnot. But all in all, that was an interesting submission. I think that Romanov, in all honesty – is actually going to be able to make a name for himself in this heavyweight division. It's thin. I know Shiner and I have debated this time and time again on which divisions are weak and which divisions are deep. And the only, one of the only divisions we actually agreed on is that heavyweight was thin near the bottom. So this is actually a division that I think Romanov can make a name for himself in. And he's someone to definitely jot down on your to watch list. And then the main event for the prelim card, the, the close out before the main event was Trevin Giles versus Bevan Lewis. And both Danny and myself lost a little bit of cash. Didn't age well. I, uh, I was fearful that Trevin Giles was going to be able to, to take it to the ground. But I thought if Bevan Lewis used his range and length properly, he'd be okay. And he, he just couldn't get it done. And, and the thing is that I want to add, Dan, before you comment, is that Bevan Lewis – he got a developmental contract. And so they tried to work him up because he's, he, he has the physical talents, but he doesn't necessarily have the experience. And this is one of those sports, unlike any other, in my opinion, where experience plays more of a factor than any other sport I've ever seen. 
and he wasn't able to use his range to his advantage and and that cost us both uh a unit right yeah he did not have the game plan that i thought i still don't think trevin giles is even moderately good i think that he's mediocre at best he's not even a full-time fighter he, he's a police officer i mean he he genuinely does not train as a full-time fighter <laughs> he's just i mean he's got that wrestling background but this, he'll this be someone lost. i continue to fade bevan yeah. lewis did not have the game plan i wanted but besides that the night was pretty uh by the books or by how recent i predicted yeah, interesting fact, actually, that I believe the commentator said. Favorites since the Khabib Gaethje card are like 26 and 3 in fights. 19 Something, and 2 was the number. But, but prior that, to this card. Prior to this card. during So they updated it mid card and they had it at 20, 20, whatever it was. But if you've been riding the hot hand, the chalk hand, as we know Kobe's prone to do, you're looking good. You're extending That'd the lead. It'd be pretty ballsy to take like a. A plus twelve hundred result in the main event. We could use that would Kobe, be ballsy. We could use a Kobe parlay of the week. So I've been ice cold. A we Kobe, could use. A, I don't I mean, want to give myself too much credit because once you get into the main card this week, there's a, that's going to change up that number. I mean, it, ready? Here's Kobe's parlay of the week: minus five fifty, minus four thirty. <laughs> oh, he won it! He hit it! Holy shit! Let's crown him champion of knowing fights. His fourteen so anyways, parlay that resulted in minus one ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> women women over two and a half rounds minus 630 i know my shit so before country club kobe fucking offs himself we're gonna move on to the main event the one thing though of note is i i do want to ask the panel a question here a guy like bevin lewis and he's a guy who has the raw talent he actually got caught by uriah hall who's like a ranked fighter just saw, fought silva in the main event you're the matchmakers here. Where do you give what what fight do you give Bevin at, at one eighty five? Because he's a guy that I imagine the UFC wants to try to breed because he has so much his ceiling's so high. But if after losing to Trevin Giles, who do you like? Where do you give him? You know what I mean? That's what I was kind of debating since the card last week. It's it's definitely not going to be a ranked. Be ranked. No yeah, no way it's going to be, be ranked. ranked. So. I was thinking some of the lower end ranking ones, like like Brad Tavares, someone who's willing to stand with him. But like Tavares is going to wipe him if he if he's losing Trevin Giles. It's in, it's tough. It puts him in a tough spot. Maybe uh, one I was thinking was maybe Buckley. Buckley fights at one eighty five. He fought Kevin Holland at one eighty five. I believe that one would be interesting. They're both down to stand and bang. But I think Buckley's talking a lot of trash with James Cross right now. If I'm really? I mean, dude, Buckley, after that highlight knockout, it seems like they're going to try to set him up for really to kind of propel him into stardom. He's and not even that he's, he's talented enough for it, but if he's putting out what he's putting out, they'll, they'll continue to try to advertise him similar to an Izzy Adesanya, who's a talentless hack, but uh, they propelled him into stardom. Speaking of Izzy Adesanya, Reese, uh, we may be able to plug this on our Twitter feed, but let's see that shirt you got rocking there. Yeah, I lost my bet fair and square. Paulo Costa came in with zero game plan whatsoever and fought the worst fight I've ever seen. Walkouts and to knockouts. And there she blows. The middleweight uh, champion himself. It's fucking horrendous. It's a gross shirt. It's a gross shirt. So what's going to happen is we're going to be on episode 250 of the Ankle Pick Pod and the new listeners will be like, why, why the fuck is he still wearing that shirt that he doesn't fit because he's fat? And we're going to have to explain, yeah, all, all the way back fucking five years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah, the prelims all in all were pretty good. It was a lot. I think it was it was all finishes. So we were really gifted with a quick, speedy card with a shitload of finishes until the main card. And then we started to get some decisions. So starting off the main card, this is one that wasn't a recorded play for me. So on, on, in the main event challenge, I took Jan. And, As did I. And then when the line steamed all the way up to Claudia minus or plus 160, I threw a half unit on Claudia, I won't lie. So that didn't age totally well, totally well. But that fight went really, honestly, kind of similar to how I thought it was going to go. I mean, Giannis so leaps and bounds ahead of Claudia in striking, and she was able to get up from any takedown that was thrown her way. Okay, this is one I know for a fact Dan's going to want to touch on. This was a short-notice fight because Jamie Simmons got uh, had to step up. Someone got scratched, but... Giga Jakatsi, KOTK, round one, only three minutes, almost four minutes in. 
Dan called it. I, I thought this was going to be a dominant decision, just an absolute bloodbath. I even had in my drunkenly rants on Twitter and all my random tweets, I said, Giga Jakotsi, 30-25, something like that. But Dan actually was on this one. He sniffed out a highlight KOTKL. Yeah, this was one where looking at Giga's record, it's been since September of 2019 since he's got a finish. And even the one before that was close to a grounded pound and not in the UFC. It was in Gladiator Challenge. Giga's He's been, been a guy, decisions, right? Yeah, Giga's been yeah. a guy who's been all decisions, two splits, two unanimous since he's gotten in the UFC. I figured he was due for a breaking point with his fun karate style and his great spacing and his unbelievable cardio, and Jamie Simmons just was not there. We got ourselves a nice foot wrapped around the back of the head, and it was all done in the first. And again, not not surprised by any means that Jamie Simmons wasn't there. But yeah, Giga looks nice. I I could see Giga. So I want to say I want them to give Giga a dominant wrestler to really test how well rounded a mixed martial artist he is. We all know he's he was looking to strike and use his range to his advantage, especially. At, 145 but he beat Jamal Emmers I, I believe I, I'm pretty sure he beat Jamal Emmers I don't have it in front of me but I know that they've they've given him wrestlers and he's still come out on top so I you might want to double check me I, I don't know if Kobe's on facts right now but I Giga's dude Giga might make a name for himself with this 145 I mean when you get to the top of the list you start to get to those fighters he did okay he beat Jamal Emmers on March 7th. Jeez, he's fought. He's been hauling this year. Um, who Who is a dominant wrestler. And then he also beat Omar Morales, which was his first loss. So Giga's getting to that point now where you're looking to really throw him in the ranks and, and use him as a kind of like a kickboxing, I don't want to say prodigy, but man, his stand-up's nasty. It's, it's less kickboxing than it is just karate and a little bit of taekwondo. But, but he uses his range so well. For for a guy that is a little bit one-dimensional, as we both said, how do we see him jumping into the uh, the featherweight rankings that are as yeah. deep as it comes? I mean, Barboza is number 15 right now. I, I, I think that Bryce Mitchell and Ryan Hall are absolutely terrible matchups. Like, Giga is not going to do well. He's going to get tapped right quick. Now, That's what's so that's what's so weird about this division is it's split up where the top half seem to be, I mean, I'm not going to say that there, look at the strikers in the top half, Max Holloway, Zabi, Yair, uh, Korean zombie, Cater, like as good Ortega. as Giga is. Ortega. Yeah. Ortega showed us he's as good of a striker as any. Yeah, no, that that's true. That's true. But I think if, if Ortega squared off against Jakadze, he's going to be looking to take that to the floor. I feel like Featherweight imagine. is just stacked with prospects, too. It is. Fe- featherweight's, featherweight's the deepest, in my opinion. It's right there with ban- uh, with Lightweight. They're just Which so also deep. shows how good of a champion Volko is. Like, it, yeah. he ran through the division. But he also, he also, I mean, he beat Elkins on his way up. He beat a couple guys that were, like, ranked at the time, no longer ranked. And then he, he also... Aldo... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so did greatest featherweight of all time. Yeah, I mean, but it's not the, the guy who's no longer ranked in the division. He's a bantamweight. But I mean, it's also not the same. I agree with you, though, Shiner. I don't want to take anything away from Aldo. He's the greatest featherweight of all time. No, I agree with uh, Max. I, I Max might say Max, close. honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, we're getting bogged down. I, I, I moral think of the story. Well, moral of the story is that featherweight is a stacked division, and Giga's got. I'm not sure it's he's got he's got a tough matchup in featherweight and I don't see him moving up to lightweight so we'll see I'm excited to see what the future holds for him Ronnie Barsolas versus uh Khalid Taha Khalid Taha was making his UFC debut this fight was at bantamweight and to me Barsolas looked as good as he ever has I mean he's just he's just the same old the problem with him is his inconsistency in fighting he just does not fight often enough to actually make a name for himself and I think he's on the wrong side of – I think he's pretty old. I think he's like 36. Yeah, so a reason I – I mean, we talked about this on the podcast. He's not quite 36. He's 33. But we both agreed 
before the fight that Hione is absolutely a contender in this division if he would just be more consistent. Um, I mean, he looked unbelievable in this fight. Absolutely everywhere. The guy is so well-rounded. He is a five-tool prospect to pull some terms from baseball. I just wish he would be more active, and he might get himself a move up in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, I, so I just want to fact-check my, myself here, which is, I think, Kobe's slagging. Uh, just, he didn't have, he's not a designated fat checker, but Barcelos is only 33, which is still like prime and he's sitting at 15 and one. So he really could make moves for himself. If he starts to fight a little more frequently, I think he's good for one fight a year, which is a shame. What are the chances you know, Reese bets on Barcelos at like age 42, like our, uh, our ankle lock of the week from a couple weeks ago, extremely high. Extremely high. And and the best part is we'll still be doing this when that happens. He'll be 27 and two at age like 43. 27 and two, but he won't be able to move. Yeah. But after his performance last weekend, who would y'all pick Rob Font versus Tony Barcelos? Dominic Cruz. That's a good fight. No, Rob, I love I'm the biggest Rob Font fan. We gotta try to get him on the pod. I am such a Rob Font guy. I think Hione could make some noise in this division. Dude, Rob Font, Rob. Rob Font is the bantamweight Calvin Cater. I'm t- dude, he is They're the, the bantamweight Calvin. I know, dude, his footwork and his striking is so elite that unless Barcelos takes it to the floor, which he could, but I don't believe they he will. They must train together, right? I'm not sure. Calvin? I don't want to be quoted on that. Oh, Calvin and, Calvin and Rob Font? I yeah, would imagine they, they, I would imagine they do. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, but it's so don't don't quote us on that again. Kobe Slack and I don't know what he's doing. He's just drinking oh. or something. But yeah, they do. Yeah, they do, dude. I'm telling you, Rob Font and Cater are my two. I'm like makes sense. They're very very similar. Yeah, they're very similar. Rock so Rogers. I, Dan, I love you posing that question, but I'm locking in Rob Font minus one sixty five. Props to Faha too. Guy took a beating and was still in the fight, made it competitive. They love to see that. Easy fight of the night. Always, yeah, you always do. So, Dan, you lost your parlay on this next one. And I would love to get everyone's opinions here, except maybe Kobe. Actually, so actually, I want to make a statement really quickly right now for all the pod listeners. And not that I'm like the creme de la creme, but I, I think we're officially moving the casual tag off Kobe after watching Tuesday Night Contender Series and moving it over to shiner who seemingly has missed the last 11 events and always his excuse every time is i didn't watch this one i quote yeah, we, I don't the, this we don't have to end the specifics but yes the parlay of the week has been um a little bit below standards i believe we're only down two units through six because, parlays. not even because you're down, you're down because, 0.89 you know, units i know but because quote because quote i don't know any of these fuckers end quote <laughs> casual shiner Kobe, you I, can't casual. You. I, can't I don't want to sit here and act like I'm elite. Honestly, I, I kind of want to own the casual tag. I can attribute okay. at least one unit to that old 42-year-old ankle lock from a couple weeks ago. God damn you, Dan. You gotta me on that <laughs> God damn you, Dan, for not letting me take Andrage. Okay, I won't let I won't throw Dan out to dry. Dan and I work hard we can take out for the ankle locks. Okay. Pause. Advancing. Andre Orlovsky, Tanner Bozer. Dan, you lost your parlay on this, John. And it was a questionable decision to say the least. I, I would love to hear your opinions. I did. Um, a lot of times I'll be really mad about close decisions. This was actually one I scored for Arlovsky. He dragged him, he dragged Tanner Bozer into an ugly fight, and I think he won two rounds. I was pissed at the decision. I definitely saw it wrong, but all props to Andre Arlovsky, the dude's an absolute Viking. The guy is yeah. just putting out at what age 41 what i have no wrong idea. side of 40 is what i call it wait so you you said you scored it for bozer no i scored it for arlovsky i did you? i had okay. money on bozer obviously yeah, i was really heavy for bozer yeah yeah. But i actually did score two rounds for arlovsky i thought he, dra- he dragged him into a, an ugly fight that arlovsky was a lot more seasoned for yeah and see orlovsky that's the thing is i knew his you can never discredit i talked about it earlier on the pod experience and i think that bozer is going to learn more from this 
than he would if he skated by with a questionable win. So good for Bozer. I think he's going to be able to come back stronger and maybe put more aggression into it and even better for Arlovsky acting as a Elar Latifi type gatekeeper for that heavyweight division or yeah, heavyweight division for sure. Shiner, you also lost your parlay of the week on this. How did you see this fight? If you watched, if you watched, if you didn't, that's okay. But if you watched, okay. So how did you, how did you score this fight and what did you see? So I thought it was really close. I think Bozer with the leg kicks. I'm a huge leg kick guy. Y'all know that. I think those should count for more in a close fight. Arlovsky was a better guy. I thought Bozer would come out and really just get after him early like he's done in his last few fights. That's why I took inside or I took him knockout on this one uh, because I thought similar to what he's done last couple fights. Arlovsky, I mean, a guy who can get knocked out, what was it, like five or six fights a couple years ago, and now he's back on a win streak. I like to see that. I like to see at least when these veterans who are continuing to fight are winning. I can't see any more BJ Penn. No, it's no, it's great. The BJ Penns and the uh, – who's the guy who lost to Dillashaw a couple times? I'm blanking on his name because I'm four, four drinks in. Um, Hennon? Oh, Hennon Brow. Thank you. It's, it's really, really tough to see those guys continue to lose and, and take years off their life in such a gruesome sport. Orlovsky's a guy that usually at this age I would call for retirement. I'm actually not. He's a guy who can act as a gatekeeper. And, and you're pretty much dictating who's going to be in the upper half and who's going to be in the bottom half. And the thing about this last fight for Orlovsky that I love so much is that I didn't see him taking a gruesome amount of damage. And Bozer's a guy who can deliver damage. So Orlovsky's using his striking, using his experience to stay out, pick apart, get the decision. I love it. I want to see more from Orlovsky. I I think he knows and I know, as hard as it is to say, that he's not going to get another title shot. But as long as he's enjoying it and loving it and staying out of damage, if I watch him get mauled, I think I'm going to ask for his retirement. I love seeing the longevity of these guys. I want them to live good lives after this. Yeah, but any guy who goes with Nganu and then is able to fight 10 more fights after, I like your chances in those. Yeah, like, no, Orlovsky's – so I don't want to age myself really at all, but – Dude, I've been watching Orlovsky for a long, long, long time. Really long time. He's one of the guys who got me into this sport. So it's same with Anderson Silva. It, it breaks my heart watching them walk away. And so I'm, I think the, the fan in me is begging for more. But Well, speaking of old guys, you got to talk about the main event of the evening last weekend. Glover motherfucking Teixeira. He's yes, back. He's a fucking yes, stud. He's, He's never stud. left. He's never left. We got Glover left. Thiago Santos. You left me on an island. No, we did leave him on an island. And and I do want to also raise a glass to Dan for picking a 220 dog in the main event challenge or 200 dog. And 1200 by sub. I, I And by submission. And he got them both. And that is a nasty ass rip. I wish he played it. That he, he would I played, I played, the, I played uh, Glover straight. That plus two hundred, I played. Dude, I loved it. That was a that was an unbelievable play. I I didn't see that insta flurry we saw out of Santos. What I was worried about is that Glover wasn't gonna be able to walk through it, and I was wrong. And I, I mean, it was it was similar to what the Walt Harris fight where he he got knocked down and then he got followed to the ground. You got to not follow him into his guard. He's Brazilian. No. no, no, no. And Glover, for those who don't know a lot about him, he's a guy who was a migrant risked his life trying to get to America. The second he got here, he's done nothing but train. And he's a genuine, like, grade A type guy. Great interview. He, dude, he's got zero quitting him. Zero. Zero. If you're not putting his lights completely out, you are going to lose. And as he as he survived flurries, and, and every second this fight lasted, I was like, I fucked up. Dan is a legend. I'm a mess. And it proved to be that way. That submission was like a warm knife through butter. I mean, he was the definition of using old man strength here. Uh, he weathered the storm. He got Tiago out of there. I loved, I loved how particularly particular he was with his strategy. When he got knocked down, he wasn't trying to shrimp. He wasn't trying to create distance. He wasn't trying to get back to his feet at all. He was like, "This is my arena. Right. Let me play guard. Let me sweep. Let me get my sub." And- I love it. And because of that, and I think that the judges and us as, as, as fans and watchers and viewers, what we do is we give so much credit to top control and ground and ground and pound and damage that even with Tiago Santos's knockdown in the first three minutes, 
I think I scored that first round for, for Glover because he dominated him the rest of the time. Dominated him. I think one thing at Glover's disposal, too, is that when he knows he's fighting five rounds, with the, with the chin he has, he knows it takes him a round or two to, to soften the guys up. Then with his incredibly improved wrestling yeah. right now, he gets guys when they're a little bit exhausted at 205, he's able to take them down, and then he does his fucking thing. That ground and pound, he has got, but, he's got good BJJ sub offense as well. His only losses you, in the UFC, by the way, because I'm on my stack. Gust- I know Gustafson. I know so Gustafson. Gustafson in 2017. But listen yeah, to these names, Seven losses, five in the UFC. Corey Anderson, Alex Gustafson, Rumble Johnson, Phil Davis, John Jones. Those are all fucking studs. Yeah, those dude. are fine. Those are fine. But the thing about the Gus one that I wanted, I know it's, it was a recent fight, was he kind of executed the same game plan he, he did here. That fight, if you haven't watched it, by the way, is like fight of the year contender. It's unbelievable. But the problem was is that Gus is well-rounded enough that his ground wasn't exposed. And so whenever they were on the feet, he was continually piling on damage. And we'll so see I if think, light heavyweight actually is like that deep right now too. Like some of the previous champs and previous contenders, guys who moved up, guys who are out of the sport now or on from the UFC, that division is totally weakened. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's wide open. open. It's been wide. Yeah. It's been, been wide open. What's up, Dan? So for, for the listeners, if you want to follow one trend with gambling guys who can weaponize their cardio and weaponize the gas tank that they have, are such an at a huge advantage. And you're seeing it even at 41, 42 with Glover Teixeira, how he can weaponize his gas tank versus these other light heavyweights and take these fights, completely steal them the second they go past one and a half rounds. Yeah, I think the two biggest things when you're looking at guys to hammer or bet with long-term is – a wrestling foundation and, and cardio it's time. It's proven time and time again to be the deciding factor. I mean, I've had guys who blow their wad in the first round, even though they're significantly better fighter and then end up losing. I know we've all had those including the listeners. So cardio is something to not be brushed over. Yeah. And Reese, I mean, this is a perfect segue with Glover's win and with Tiago taking the L and our news and notes. What do we think about the light heavyweight title picture right now? Word is out that Jan and Izzy are most likely to fight in March after the birth of Jan's child. Glover's probably deserving of a shot right now, even at his age. Where do you think he goes from here in terms of his next fight? And does he fight for the title of his next bout? Real quick, if I'm not mistaken, are Dom Reyes and Alex Rakic, are, are they booked or is that just hearsay that I've heard on the internet? That's an awesome fight. I hope that's both. Great fight, that's too. An awesome fight. They're it might so be just similar. hearsay. I don't know for sure. It might be. I would love Glover hearsay to fight right now, Reyes not, or Rakic. In all okay, honesty. Okay, it's officially. Any team Glover, no title shot next. From from Kobe, it is hearsay, but it, it seems that's like far. it makes obvious sense. Yeah, it seems like it makes sense. We'll see. The thing is, is in my opinion, Glover's got two choices. He either waits for this whole title picture to play out. Right. Continue to train and then take his shot that I think Dana loves to grant these veterans who've done a lot for the promotion or, or he fights a guy like Dom Reyes and Alexander Rakic as his farewell fight. And I I think he's probably done after that. Those, Those are the two real options he has. The issue is Reese with option one. If Izzy and Jan happens and Izzy wins, Izzy ain't fighting Glover. He's fighting John. He's fighting John. Mm. Or Dom Reyes. He's not fighting Glover. I, I, do see, I do see, but the one thing about Izzy is as much as I'm not a fan of his, he he is a respectful guy. I think he I agree. wants I think he almost wants to let Glover have his chance at I would the love that board. fight. That would yeah. be an awesome fight. No, I'm not even saying he takes it. He might go up, win it, defend his middleweight. Beat Bobby Knuckles again. In defend his middleweight, interim the light heavyweight. So Glover, I think at this point, anything we have to say is speculation, but it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. But the for the speculation, but for the speculation, I think that if Izzy gets booked against Glover, that'll be the closest line between 
the Jan Blahovic or anything that's left at middleweight because of the grappling prestige that Glover does have. The issue is that Danny guaranteed mm. is his next fight is not against Glover to share. Not only that, but Jan also no has a, a, people but forget at, because. But if he beats Jan and he gets Glover, the Glover line will be closer than Jan. People yeah. forget though because Jan is so has been so dominant lately. But Jan is no slouch on the. No. Jan's no slouch on the floor. Agreed. Agreed. It's kind of cool. I kind of yeah. like these like log jams a little bit. I don't mind. They're a little frustrating if they're quick. If they're quick. Yeah, if they're quick. But some other news and notes. Speaking of yeah. log jams, we have Amanda Nunes unfortunately just pulled out of her December pay per view bout against Megan Anderson. And interesting enough, at that women's 145 division, Kayla Harrison, face of the PFL, PFL's uh, suspended their fight season until uh, next spring. So they are allowing their fighters to go out and take other fights. Kayla Harrison will be fighting in Invicta at 145. Quick note, her last time fighting at 145 or being 145 was seventh grade. She's a 155-pound fighter in PFL. So interesting note there danny i know you got a couple other ones as well yeah i mean one thing that i know that everyone has been paying attention to is these tough rumors we talked we touched a little bit on it last week and on the set spread podcast but it seems more and more likely that we're going to get former teammates kamaru and and gilbert to be the two tough coaches two guys that i think are awesome super charismatic excuse me and also guys that are super knowledgeable and going to be great uh, coaches and, and cornermen for these upcoming fighters. Yeah. Resident Gilbert Burns lover over here, Danny Koritz as well. Big time. Could be a Malorpet on the way folks. Uh, another one to touch on here. Big one, Poirier McGregor. Will this be for the title? Will it not? Dustin has signed on to the bout. Supposedly the bout agreement has not made it to Connor's desk yet, but that will hopefully happen soon. I believe they're targeting that January date for this fight to happen. January 23rd, I think. Will be lit. We're seeing Abu Dhabi as well, which would be potentially in front of fans. I, I mean, personally, I'd much rather have Cowboy Stadium, but obviously it's there's a lot of powers at B that aren't my desire. Yep. And, in, and a good segue into this week's fight as well. Um, if you don't know already, now you know, quoting Biggie. Islam Makhachev is out of this week's main event. He will not be fighting RDA. And on five days notice, coming off of Ironman training in Miami, Florida, the Irish dragon himself, Paul Felder, will be taking the fight. I fucking love Paul Felder, I must say, boys. And last but not least, in terms of news, you know who I am. Your BJJ expert. Submission Underground 19 is coming up December 20. We got ourselves a, a, a new lineup with a lot, a lot of MMA stalwarts. In the co-main event, we have Felicia Spencer against Amanda Lowen, who's been a 10th planet uh, prominent woman in all these submission underground cards. And then also we have Ryan Bader versus Derek Lewis. We have Cowboy Cerrone versus... Rafael Dos Anjos. If you're a Colby fan, maybe it's Rafael Dos Tacos. And then we also have Anthony Rumble Johnson versus Fabricio Verdum by Calvajal. This is going to be a fun submission underground, even with no Craig Jones and no real title on the on the card. If only he, if only they made lines for that Derek Lewis Ryan Bader fight. <laughs> That's called net worth to win a hundred bucks. I don't care. Ryan Bader is going to absolutely just blow right through him. So continuing along, we have this week's lock of the week, and I'm sure any viewer who's listened can probably guess it. Dan and I were going back and forth for a little bit. We ended up settling on what we were going to do last week. We just moved it forward to this week and our good old friend, Brendan Allen, he was at a plus dog, when we filled the, or when we uh, filmed the 18.5 set the spread episode, which was, which caught both Dan and myself extremely off guard. We both had him at the favorite. It has since moved with some sharp action, but the line did open at 170. And so you're still getting value at 120. It just took a real sharp dip instantly. And then it slowly, steadily come back to that initial opening. 
I personally am a fan at Brendan Allen at minus 120. I think that his as, – as good as Sean Strickland is, I think that Brendan Allen's wrestling and submission game is just so overpowering and dominant that I, it's hard to see this fight going any other way. Nothing to add, Dan? Oh, I completely agree. I, I'll, I'll break it down a little bit more when we get into the main event challenge. But Brendan Allen here, Brendan Allen by sub. Is Brendan Allen on main card? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. So we'll, we just gave uh, Copycat Shiner and Country Club Kobe a little insight into the main event challenge. Welcome back for the break. You just heard from our sponsor that does not exist. We're going to get into this week with the featured prelims. But instead of featured prelims, we're going to just go really quickly through all of them because we want to do it. And we don't really care if you want to do it. Dan, you mentioned Dontel Mays as a potential, potential lock of the week. I was taken back by that. I refused to have a man of the name Dontel Mays on my lock of the week. I didn't want to put my face next to that. Dan, heavyweight bout. Dontel Mays versus Chubby Martinez. What's up? Yeah, exactly. For me, this seems pretty straightforward. I think that Mays comes in much more athletic. Seems to hit a lot harder. He's going to be a lot better shape, not to mention that he's going to be 6'6 to Martinez's 5'10. I think that he's going to come in and absolutely stomp on his throat. It's not going to be guys that look like they're in the same weight class. Downtown Mays is a great play here. Okay. You heard it there first, straight out the lips of a plus 6.65 unit better. Moving on, the bantamweight bout. This is one I want to touch on. Tony Gravely, he was a guy that was on the Tuesday Night Contender Series. He's fighting a Geraldo Fritas Jr. Dan, you said that Geraldo, in your opinion, was a live dog. And I had Tony Gravely as a potential, not lock of the week, but like a guy that was in consideration. He, his wrestling is so dominant. And he's got a lot of power for bantamweight. I would love to hear your opinion on Papas Fritas. Yeah, no, his wrestling is dominant. Uh, he also is great jujitsu. I just kind of give the slight edge to Defritas. You know, I love my Brazilians. I do think that Defritas is going to be able to get the advantage on the ground here. Well, Fritas opened at a plus 170, and it is steamed all the way down to a plus 125. So you have unfortunately missed the boat if you're looking to get Fritas at value. Is Gravely value at 140 i think yes dan seems to think no so with that you go for the guy who's up more units which is myself by 0.03 no big deal and so <laughs> no, don't don't ride gravely he will not be an official play of mine but that's a fight that is actually people don't realize but that is going to be a guy both those guys if they win are going to start to work their way towards the rankings and bantamweight but these are when two positive betters talking Follow on Twitter, follow yes. our real picks, make some fucking money. Let's do it. Danny and I are good at nothing except this. This is what we live for. This is what we were born for. So that is something that is actually kind of deeply disturbing for myself, Dan. I don't know if you feel the same way. Women's straw weight, Dan, go ahead. Do your impersonation. It's Randa Marcos versus Conical Murata. I don't know what impersonation you're talking about. Oh, help me out to dry. You mentioned earlier, I do not like to play women's MMA. In my opinion, it. I mean, Randa trains out of TriStar. She's got her gritty wrestling. When she's focused, she's great. But Murata, as the reigning strawweight champion from Invicta, that's not based on a boxing background or a Muay Thai background. That's a wrestling background. I think the line seems fair. I think that Murata is generally the better grappler. This is a no bet, a huge no bet for me. See, I see a little bit of value in the in the Marcos plus 155 due to the experience slash the fact that, as Dan touched on, her grappling, she's a known wrestler. When her grappling's on, it's on. And you said Murata also is a grappler. I imagine that Marcos can hang in that field. And so at a plus 155, if you're trying to like, I don't know, Let's say you ride the first three fights and you're down a shitload, which has happened to all of us. Just hammer Marcos. Pray for the best. We got locks later that'll save us all if shit goes south. Moving on, bantamweight bout. Jose 
Kionez versus Luis Smolko. We were talking about this a little bit. This is one that is an absolute no bet for me. And the reason why is because they are both so terrible. And that's not, there's no disrespect to them whatsoever. In other promotions, they're dominant. But Luis Smolka is a guy who's a rubber band. He's always looking to grapple and sub. I've, I've rode him time in and time out. He has been cut from the UFC time and time again, continuously loses. He's just not up for the challenge. And then it's like, okay, who is he facing? There might be value here against, against Smolka. Well, it's Jose Quiones, who's also terrible. And so with that being said, I can't condone anyone to bet on either of these guys. Perfect entrance point for me. I saw Jose Quinones fight Sean O'Malley in the Adesanya Romero card. And Jose Quinones has not fought since then. I am not surprised. I'm fading Quinones 1,000%. I mean, both these guys, in all honesty, are probably fighting to not get pink slipped. Continuing on, welterweight. This is another one that was discussed for lock of the week. Welterweight bout between Alex Morono and Reese McGee. Now, Dan was the one who kind of talked me out of this. He was saying Reese McGee, although he got rolled by Hosmont, which it seems like everybody's going to, that he actually has a lot to bring to the table. Where I've been a longtime fan of Alex the Great White Morono, who, although when you look at his physique, you're like, oh, this guy can't fight for shit. He hangs in there, man, and he's got some good wins under his, under his name. He's only at the age of 30. Reese McGee's 25. I think the experience level, which has seemed to be an underlying theme tonight, I, I like Morona in this one, man. As Reese mentioned, I was a little bit higher on Reese McKee going into the week. After a little bit of taping, I've completely flip-flopped there, actually. I love Alex Morona here. I don't think that Reese McKee is worth the value that they're even giving on Vegas right now. I don't, I don't have him being worth his salt. I think that Alex Morona disposes of him, and I think you can play him inside the distance, honestly. Alex Morono, his most recent bout out, he lost to the co-main event this week. That was in February. He lost to Chaos Williams, a quick KO. But he beat Max Griffin, a guy who got a pretty decisive win last week. So there's value to be had. But again, we'll see. Follow us again at Ankle Pick Pod on Twitter. That'll really be where we play our final plays. But I'm dead. I'm glad Dan's come around on the Alex Morono train because I, I just don't see what Reese McGee oh, is going to sure. bring to the table. Yeah. So women's strawweight bout. This is one that I know Dan's going to have very limited comment on. He knows, or not that he doesn't know. He knows it. He just can't pick it. Ashley Yoder, tough vet versus Miranda Granger. This line, based on the record, is a lot closer than I would predict, which makes me think that Ashley Yoder could be a decent play here at plus 130. She opened at minus 125. So some sharp action is better in the opposite way. I don't really know what to take away on this one, Dan. I don't know if you have anything to add, but I don't want to get bogged down, bogged down, Bogdanovich down in this. The way that I see this, and I know I've been super wrong on women's MMA, I think that Granger should lead the dance in terms of output. I don't think that Yoder is going to be able to keep up, and I think that the decision will go Granger's way. If it stays on the feet, I think Yoder needs to get this on the mat and kind of slow things down. The one thing I just want to add is, to me, one of the things when I'm a better I look for, when a line doesn't really make sense, I like to ask myself, why doesn't that line make sense? And why is this line what it is? This is a prime example of that where I think I would confidently ride Ashley Yoder. And the reason why is because it's a seven and six fighter against a seven and one fighter. And she's only plus 130 and she opened as the favorite. And so I asked myself, who do I trust? The average better or Vegas? And time and time again, it, it seems like Vegas is the one who knows what the hell is up. So I don't want to ride just on that notion. I will take this fight further. But that's that's actually a, a women's strawweight bout that's actually more interesting mm -hmm. than I, I would initially imagine. And then we get into the main event of the prelims. The Brennan Allen versus Sean Strickland. We recently saw a Sean Strickland fight. We recently saw a Brennan Allen fight. And this is the ankle lock of the week. Brennan Allen, he's sitting at minus 120 now, Kobe. Minus 110 is what I see. Minus 110. So you can get him at pretty much pick him. So this is going to change a lot going into the fight. We're recording this on a Wednesday night. 
But Brendan Allen's a guy who, although he has some questionable losses, I mean, all of four years ago, which is kind of a long time, he's got the skill set, the submission, and the wrestling game that I think can maybe take Sean Strickland into deeper waters. And Dan, I'm pretty sure you agree with me based on the fact that we mutually agreed on lock of the week. Oh, definitely. The one thing that our listeners need to recognize is that this is happening at a catch weight of 195. It's not happening in middleweight. It's not happening at 205. It's at 195. That being said, I think it still benefits Brandon Allen, a guy who is massive at 185. At 195, I only expect him to be more comfortable. He is absolutely the grappling advantage and good enough hands to kind of stay with Sean Strickland. I know that Sean Strickland just came back from a big motorcycle accident. People, including myself, were worried as how he was going to look. But this stylistically is a completely, completely different fight than he had in his comeback fight versus Marshman, who was going to bang, who was going to bloody his face up, throw hands. I see Brandon Allen getting him down getting the sub, and getting it quick. Yeah. Brendan Allen's just got this pressure wrestling that I think Vegas is going to slowly catch on to. That brings us into our sponsored, yes, you heard me, sponsored main event challenge of the week slash main card breakdown. This week it is sponsored by none other than the Edmund Fitzgerald. Kobe, take it away. Yeah, it was uh, November 11th. 1975, 45 year anniversary of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. 29 good sailors lost that day. It was a wreck in Lake Superior when the gales of November came early. And for that reason, we'll take a quick moment of silence, pour one out for our uh, fallen friends of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Much appreciated. Thank you. Check out a little bit more and, uh, there's actually a song out there that you can find. Gordon Light, this, it's quite the ballad. This song will, for this week, it'll be our intro and outro music. And if you have any interest in listening to it further, Shazam that motherfucker. We need to let us know what you think. No. In all reality, need... shout out to our Marines. Shout out, shout out to yes. our veterans. It's yes. Veterans Day. We don't want to tread lightly on that. Absolutely. No. Shout out to y'all who have sacrificed themselves for us. No, in all reality, if we have a million listeners or five listeners, it doesn't matter to us anyway. We all are big, big supporters of the veterans. Thank you so much for allowing us to live free and continue to do what we want to do. So with that touching note, along with the Edmund Fitzgerald, which is a song that can make most people cry. Not me, though, because I'm a grown man, but other people. Um, we're going to get into the main event challenge. So... Kobe, go ahead with the standings. Quick update for the main event challenge. I remain in first place, 20 points ahead of second with 152. <clears throat> Vegas, Danny, Kobe. Danny has stretched his lead in second place, 132, four ahead of Reese, 128, who's three ahead of Max, 125, who's four ahead of Parker, 121. As we get closer to the end of the calendar year, we'll start to enforce punishments on that last place finisher. And uh, we might have a little bit different format going into 2021, but uh, that's a TBD statement. Follow us on Ankle Pick Pod if you have any suggestions. But going into 2021, I'm not going to allow Kobe to sit back and take all the favorites and continue to coast into no punishment ship. So we're going to play or hate the game. Yeah, no, I do hate both of you. But that is an issue for 2021. In the meantime, we will discuss punishment for all of you to enjoy over on Twitter. But for you, our listener, on Saturday mornings. This is where you get our real information. This is where we make money. This is where it, it all lives at. And if you're bored during the fights, which you wouldn't be because they're fights, but if you want something to watch, I'm going to start drunk tweeting them because last week we had a couple of yucks out of the panel and I have some good stuff to say because I don't do anything but drink and watch fights. So follow us over on Twitter one last time. So we'll get into this week's main event. The order this week is going to be Danny, the sharp of the week. We're going to throw Kobe in the two slot because we don't want him gathering info from the other two sharps. We have casual, not so slim, shady shiner in the three slot. And then we have terribly informed Reese Pulver in the last slot. So Dan, go ahead on the curtain, as we like to call it here, with the Brendan Allen versus Sean Strickland. 
definitely. I'd love to touch in on the curtain jerker of the main event, as you like curtain to say. Curtain jerker. I see Brandon Allen coming out here with the sub victory. Dan's got Brandon Allen by sub. Kobe, where are you Far at? be it for me to stray from the ankle lock of the week. Fuck. Brandon Allen decision. Oh, decision. Okay. Dan and I are following suit in the three slot. Brendan Allen decision. I like his uh, opponents he's faced over his career. I'm going to take Brendan Allen by submission. I'm going ahead with DK Capra May. His grappling advantage is just too severe. And he's and huge. He's, he's so huge. big. He's huge. He's down to stand and bang. And more importantly, it, it's one of those things where will dictate how it goes on the ground. And, and that if Sean Strickland makes a single mistake, the submission is going to be sunk in. And that's all either of us have ever wanted. Let's fucking get it. Dan, lead us off on the Eric Anders versus Antonio Arroyo fight. I do think that Arroyo is going to come in being the more technical striker. and I think Anders is going to be the better athlete for the first round and a half. But I do expect him to gas out. I think that Arroyo is going to take this fight over. And he's going to grab this decision. So, Dan, it does look like Anders has been stuck around at 185. I do not see him bouncing weight. He fought Joku, Mearshart, Khalil Roundtree, Elias Theodora. I believe those are all at, at 85. So, Dan, you have your pick locked in. I am taking a Royal by decision. Okay, awesome. Kobe. This is where I'm going to go against Vegas. Arroyo sub. Oh, wow. Arroyo sub for Kobe. I've seen Arroyo fight in the Contender Series. I mean, he's got good BJJ, but he's a little bit tall and limbering. Doesn't have a ton of speed. Eric Anders, 2009 Alabama national champion football player over the Garrett Gilbert-led Texas Longhorns. I'm riding with Mr. Anders. I'm going by knockout. So I actually am very torn on this one. I have tape for this one, full disclosure. Again, the continuous theme of this night has seemed to be experience. I believe Eric Anders has earned that nod. And this this bout opened at a significantly wider gap than it is now. I think there's a little bit of value here because of that. And I'm going to take Eric Anders by decision. Okay. Continuing along as we continue to realize that I'm going to make so much ground on this fight. Women's strawweight. Kay Hansen versus Corey McKenna. And Kay Hansen, I believe, has fought pretty recently and looked good. She's standing in at 21 years old, but also is Corey McKenna. Danny, women's, you can't cap this for shit. Who you got? Preface this pretty well. Um, <laughs> the woman that Corey McKenna beat in her contender series fight, Demopolis, I actually put a lot of weight in that victory. That being said... I love Kay Hansen. I think that she is super well-rounded, super fucking stylistic, sharp. I'm going to go Kay Hansen here by sub. So for me, she's a 10th planet product. Someone that has super unorthodox submissions and someone who's tough as nails. Corey McKenna is great. Corey McKenna is a lot of fun to watch. But I, I think Kay Hansen has her. And I've got Kay Hansen by sub here. Kay Hansen decision for Kobe. Kay Hansen decision for Max. I very, very confidently have Kay Hansen by decision, and the reason why is the same theme for all 19 episodes, fade team alpha male. Okay, that's the easiest way to make money in this entire sport. Fade team Corey alpha McKenna. male. Team Corey alpha McKenna. Corey McKenna is a team alpha male prodigy. She might have a mainstay in this division, the women's Division is thin. She's extremely young. However, that camp over there is an absolute mess, and I'm going to continuously fade it until it doesn't work. And so far, that hasn't been the case. So Kay Hansen by decision. Moving on, middleweight bout between Julian Marquez, future friend of the pod, hopefully, versus Sabarek Safarov. I mean, Marquez hasn't fought in forever. Even with that, he should be a better athlete. And the better striker. The way that I see Safarov is he loses to any and all legit contenders, UFC caliber talent. I've got Marquez by KO here, KO, TKO. It's less so because I think a lot of Marquez, and it's more so because I don't think Safarov is the real deal. Respect. Kobe? Marquez, KO, TKO. Following suit. Marquez, KO, TKO. 
I too have Marquez KOTKO. And again, it's one of those things where I think Marquez in the middleweight division will run into some tough challenges. This just isn't it. It just isn't it. Safarov has proved little to nothing in the UFC. He is from Dagestan, which notoriously produces amazing but fighters. But he can't wrestle. No, it's ridiculous. I'm glad you pointed it out. It's, it's, it blows my mind. I don't know where he's training or who he's training with. We'll see if he's made leaps and bounds in his game. I doubt it. But so with that being said, it looks like we have a unanimous panel decision on Julian Marquez, an original OG Tuesday Night Contender Series alum with a head kick knockout over Phil Hawes, who recently got a W. So welterweight co-main, and this is one that I, I imagine we will be split. We have Abdul Razak Khalasan versus Kalen Williams, or also known as Chaos Williams. Danny, lead us off here. This is one I hate to lead off. In my head, Alassane is five minutes to knock your block off, maybe six, seven minutes to knock your block off. But at that point, the blueprint's out. It's Chaos's fight to lose. Fortis MMA has no momentum as of late. Alassane is operating under a no momentum clause. I'm going to go with Alassane. I'm, I'm going to go with him in that round one knockout. But I obviously recognize that the second it goes past six minutes, everything favors not Abdul Razak Hassan. Razak Al Hassan, KOTKO for me as well. Love this. Al Hassan was in my parlay of the week when he fought Munir Lazez. Definite fade from me. Chaos Williams, KO. And I, too, am riding with Shady Diner. Okay. And I am also going with KOTKO for Chaos Williams. This is one that don't turn, don't, don't turn away from the TV even for a second. This one's going to be an absolute bar murder. So I don't hate exciting. Chaos. No, at the plus 190 clip, dude, that's crazy value. I for don't a fight hate it at all. If this somehow gets out of round one, and again, I'm not saying that Chaos Williams has the oh, gas yeah. tank of all gas tanks, but you can see it starting to fade less from the minus 230 clip for Alassane and closer to even. And continuing forward with the main event, we have the lightweight main event that has recently changed. We got Paul the Irish Dragonfelder stepping in on short notice versus RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos. This one is going to be exciting. Dan, I'm really excited to hear your pick on this one. Let's, let's hear it. Felder Dos Anos, these are two absolute legends of the sport. For starters, it's an all-time mustache matchup. And it's an all-time badass move by Paul Felder. I mean, five days' notice is ridiculous. Regardless, RDA is a beast. I do think that Paul Felder has a massive weight cut to get over. He was vocal about being around 200 a couple days ago, and that's a absolutely huge weight cut pay attention to before placing your bets but the way that i see this is i have rda being an absolute nightmare for paul felder stylistically rda has got the worst of the worst stylistically in terms of mashups whether it was wrestlers like chiesa or islam makachev but you give him a guy that likes to stand up rda is going to destroy him I don't think that Felder has enough output on the feet. He throws in bursts, and he's bad when he's pressed against the cage. He has bad wrestling defense. He's even worse sub-defense. I think that RDA is going to pressure him, get him on his butt, and finish this fight. So Danny's got RDA by sub, which is a hot, not a hot take, an interesting take within the five-minute round. Paul Felder's definitely got knowledge on the sub. Kobe, what are you thinking? First of all, I just want to point out that for somebody who has the worst mustache in the history of mustaches when he grows it out, Danny commenting on the mustaches of Felder versus RDA is quite hilarious to me. Um, I'm going to take RDA by decision. I'm right with Kobe on this one. Um, I'm also RDA decision. Mad, mad, mad props to Paul Felder for taking this fight on five days notice. But I think RDA is an absolute gamer. I think he was ready for an incredibly tough test in Islam Makhachev. I think he's ready for five rounds, like he normally is. Guy went the distance with Leon Edwards as well. RDA by decision. Ready for my expert analysis? Go for it. I actually am going to fade the entire panel here today. 
I think Paul Felder is an absolute gamer. He's an absolute fighter. He took this fight on short notice. He believes he's going to win. I believe he's going to win. And he's going to do it by KOTKO. I love RDA, prior champion. I just think he's been plagued by the fact that he doesn't really fit in any sort of weight class. And I think that Felder's going to sit in the middle, stand and bang, and end up getting the shot that propels him higher in the rankings. So I'm going to take Paul Felder, KOTKO. Fuck that. I'm on Paul Felder with Reese. Fuck my pick. Paul Felder decision. All right, before we roll out tonight, I want to see Reese's pronunciation of the guy who fought Mario Sosa last night. Son of a bitch. So my pronunciation is going to be Marozis. Kai, dude, I've watched this too. Like I, literally <laughs> I know knew... we were talking about it while it happened. Marasis Kaizu Kaizu Kuzvitz. <laughs> You're so close. You were so close. Kaizu Kuzvitz. Mariusz Kosonskiewicz. Kosonskiewicz. Even when the even the announcers last night were pronouncing it, it sounded like they didn't even. Were they were Kosonskiewicz. I'm all over it. I love it. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it all. Thank you to the veterans out there. RIP anyone who lost their lives on the Edmund Fitzgerald. You the music. Church bell chimed till it rang 29 times for each man on the Edmund Fitzgerald. The legend lives on from the Chippewa down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. Superior, they said, never gives up for dead when the gales of November come early. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.